At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to this free episode of Dunked On Prime. If you'd like to listen to all of our team previews, you can subscribe to Dunked On Prime at dunkedon.supportingcast.fm. That's dunkedon.supportingcast.fm. Well, yesterday we talked with Mike Prada about the Washington Wizards, and they are just now beginning a very long rebuild, perhaps inspired by the absolutely dominating postseason performance of the Denver Nuggets. And here to talk about their prospects for repeating that performance is Adam Maris of DNVR Sports. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. I didn't expect a Washington Wizards comparison as the lead-in. That was uh, that was a shock. I didn't either. I, I'm really bad at them. <laughs> cool, just, I just I, I start rambling and and uh, I realize people are actually listening to me. And so I, I just, uh, yeah, no, it was, it, it was not the right way to go. But because that's the last podcast I recorded, it was on the brain. And that's that's what people get because uh, we, we do not edit it here unless absolutely necessary. Unless we get a cap detail wrong. That's the only way we're, we're ever going to edit. <laughs> we're certainly not editing for content. That's funny. Yeah. Um, uh, so let me ask you this first. The Nuggets uh, have long kind of been, you know, either they, they seemed like to me at least the third or fourth team in Colorado. How big was this championship run at the time? And, and does it feel like uh, the excitement about the Nuggets uh, has finally reached the fever pitch that having a player like uh, Nikola Jokic uh, would indicate that it should? I mean, it was an incredible run. It, it, it really one over the city. I mean, I wouldn't say they're the third or fourth team. There's the Broncos and then there's every other team fighting for yeah. number two. And it's just kind of whoever's good. And so it's the Bron- the Nuggets' turn. <clears throat> but, you know, it was a dominant run. And the 16 and four through the playoffs, there just weren't a lot of losses. So it kind of felt like every night they stepped on the court, they won, they won or they were going to get a win. And as it went on, I think very early in that process, in that playoffs, it went from, man, I hope they can do this. They could do it to, oh, they look like by far the best team. I think it was somewhere around that Phoenix series where you looked at it and, and just thought, is this indicative of how the playoffs are going to go? Are they just going to kind of be better than everyone? And sure enough, that's how it went. So it was incredibly rewarding. It was a lot of fun. And it was a lot less pressure field than I ever thought it was going to be. Well, as a dumbass who picked the Lakers, you can't say you specifically about me as someone who who knew that uh, it was going to go the Nuggets way. Although I I, I thought that would be a close series in, in the end, uh, it, it was not. And it really was one of the more dominating championship runs that, that we've seen in recent vintage. And so I, I guess uh, how much of a uh, are you feeling like a victory <clears throat> lap is in order here for like how you felt about the team, what you you felt they would be all the doubters, all the haters. Michael Bowen has had, had a, little, a little bit of that uh, <laughs> since uh, since winning. But it, it, do you kind of feel that way as well? Do you feel like, hey, I knew this was coming. I knew this was possible. Uh, everyone else is a moron for for not getting it. Or, or do you uh, <laughs> is there including uh, the host of this podcast? podcast it was a more on <laughs> or, or you know, I, uh, to, yeah, to be honest yeah. to be honest yes yeah like um you know yeah I, I should say yes and no I, I always thought Jokic was this good I always thought the team had this 
potential in him. But until you see that, you know, it's just that it's potential. I think there's always a lot of teams. I mean, you look at the Boston Celtics and you think they have the pieces to be a great team and it's never quite come together, but you could see it and you could, you could imagine a world in which they do figure it out and it all comes together. That's how I felt about this Nuggets team. And I think that especially Jokic's career has played out so perfectly to allow what I would call reasonable doubt in him. And the same goes for this Nuggets team, just the timing of Jamal Murray's injury, the style of play, all these different things come together to where I understand why people doubted doubted him and doubted this team. But as somebody, when you watch them every game, I really think Jokic is a player where you have to watch every game to to fully understand what he's doing because he does something different every night, depending on what the team is asking for. And it was one of those ones where I always knew this was possible and you just wondered if it would come together. And once the playoffs started, I thought they were very impressive in the Minnesota series. And then I thought they were extremely impressive in the Phoenix series, even though that one went six. I never felt like the Nuggets were going to lose that one because they just controlled so much of it. So at that point, I thought, there it is. This is the team I knew. This is their ceiling. I knew this is the level they could reach, and it's higher than everyone else's ceiling. And and so, yeah, it was really rewarding to kind of see it come together. Well, the biggest thing uh, that I will give you credit for, I, I was very fixated uh, on Jokic's defensive performance in the 21 and 22 yeah. playoffs uh, against you know teams with really dangerous pick and roll attacks, Phoenix uh, and, of course, Golden State. And your theory at the time was, well, hey, when they actually have real guards and a real offense, you're not going to see Jordan Poole come out here and you know drop 30 right. on these dudes and make them look stupid because Jordan Poole isn't going to be able to play and that was really I thought that was quite prescient in yeah. the end when you watched uh Phoenix when you watched LA when you watched maybe to a lesser extent Miami go up against this team because okay Lakers like you're you're a really good defensive team all right you have one five-man group that can hope to slow these guys down at all right you're gonna right. put Dennis Schroeder at point guard he'll be on Murray he's the only guy has any chance to do anything against right. Murray and then you know like LeBron probably is really the, the one guy who had even like the slightest bit of success against Jokic but that was like completely exhausting for him then they had to put Davis off the ball to I think he ball. guarded him better than anybody in the playoffs I think LeBron guarded Jokic better than anyone but as you mentioned it cost him his all of his energy I mean he couldn't do it for more than 24 minutes you know for one half basically he felt like he was going to retire after after uh trying to <laughs> right. guard him, right? yeah so um but and so it's like yeah and then, and then Reeves and you know whoever they wanted to put at the three I guess maybe that would, that would have been Hachimura but they you know D'Angelo Russell no nah, no nah, you, you you can't can't be out here and then you know a lot of times for those teams like the Lakers like all right Dennis Schroeder not really that great of a shooter you know they didn't have or, or if they were going to put Vanderbilt out there right. as well like that was going to mess up to where okay yeah you might be slowing Jokic and company down a little bit but now you can't score nearly as well right as you need to and and the Nuggets you know particularly because they never and maybe you could say it was Phoenix we'll talk about that but uh never faced this sort of group that was really going to be able to ever keep up with them and to put Jokic into difficulty in that way but they they though how good they were offensively is a big part of why they never faced uh groups yeah. like yeah. that so I, I think you were I, I'm hopefully you I'm talking for a long time but since I'm praising you hopefully you can <laughs> you could deal with it but <laughs> but uh yeah that I think that was really the thing that struck me the most of just like there's no margin for error in the lineups you're putting out there against <clears> these guys and that and that's the thing about these last two years where you didn't have a Murray you didn't have a Porter and various other guys in and out was you know how this is in a playoff series 
when you can press an advantage, the other team has to adjust. And then that advantage is gone, but something else pops up. With Denver, Denver was just not able to punish teams the way that they can with Murray. So that's why those Jordan pools and Chris Paul pulling up for mid-rangers over and over again. And people thought, oh, there's nothing you can do about that. And I just knew, well, that's just because Denver can't punish them the other way. And Denver, offensively at least, when they had Murray in years past and when they have him in the regular season, no team can stop them. So other teams have to constantly be going to their compromise lineups just in hopes of slowing them down to a reasonable number. And that's just why I felt so confident that some of the ways Denver looked terrible in in previous playoffs weren't going to be that way. They were going to take a different texture. I didn't think it was going to work out the way it did like this because Jokic and Murray both just played so phenomenally, so under control. Um, Murray in particular, I thought played very smart throughout the playoffs. He had his moments where I thought he kind of got a little too wild or too loose. But especially in that finals, I just thought he played a high IQ game where there was no adjustment Miami could make that would make them uncomfortable. They just had to go a different direction and they read it on the fly and other teams kept making substitutions, kept making adjustments and Denver just never seemed to have to. No, I think that that's really other than Murray, maybe getting a little shot happy in the Phoenix games uh, that they, yep. that they lost. You know, I, I think you're, you're entirely right there. And I, I guess the other thing I would point to as well, that I think probably didn't get talked about enough during their run was that Michael Porter jr. Went from being a complete disaster on defense to actually yep. not being someone that you were going to tackle all the time. Cause you know, if you go back to 2020, 2021, uh, he and Jokic together and Porter jr they had to play him at that point because they were thin uh right. that was just that got to the point where it was kind of untenable because porter jr would get blown by and now Jokic has to protect the rim which he, he wasn't amazing at or you know rotations would be blown or something like that and then you know this is a, a group that had to really stay solid um so this is always i think an annoyance for fans of teams that have just won the championship but i i go through this exercise a lot of years i did done it a lot with the bucks and and the lakers as well and i don't do it to denigrate the accomplishment particularly because denver was dominant in their uh their run but i also think it's important to look at that run in context because we're now looking forward to the next year and saying all right is there was there something about this run that maybe was a little bit fluky i would say maybe you know they never faced a great team they never or they never faced a great offense others would say well hey you picked phoenix and la to beat them so obviously uh you know you thought they're good enough at the time and, and then denver made them look bad um but yeah do you do you, I'm, I'm there by the way yeah yeah i i so, so that's what i was gonna say i mean is there a different type well, of matchup that's out there for them this year that could cause them more trouble than the teams they faced last year even if they ultimately would be favored which i think probably will be. well again i do think that's uh, again i will be on the side that thinks there's a little revisionist history there because the kd suns were they had some ridiculous record going into that denver series where they just weren't losing when they had kd booker in the lineup so going into that one, it wasn't, oh, Denver's going to totally expose them or or this or that. And that's what happened in that series. Denver made, you know, turned a team that had all the momentum into a team that looked very flawed. And then obviously the same goes for the Lakers. The thing I'll say is <clears throat> when you ask about going forward, Denver obviously struggles with two things. If you're able to spread them out and run high pick and roll, a la Steph Curry, but even maybe a deer and Fox, like a really quick guard where Jokic has to kind of hold the line in space till the, the recovery comes. That's obviously a difficult thing 
for Denver to do. So that puts pressure on them. But on the other side, very few teams have that and the defensive side. On the defensive side, you have to have two bigs. You have to have one that you can throw on Jokic and one that you can bring to Rome on the other side. And of course, that's why the Rui adjustment, you know, that's that's what the Lakers were trying. But Rui and even LeBron are below the threshold of what that second big can be. Anthony Davis, a great roamer, but LeBron even, I, again, I thought he did a, a a hero's job guarding Jokic, but he couldn't do it for a whole game and he couldn't do it at a level high enough to really compromise Denver. But you look around the league and you think, okay, well, that's what Boston has built. They have a Robert Williams. They have an Al Horford. Now they have a Chris Stapps Porzingis. So they have multiple guys that they can use as the roaming big protecting the backside while having a true on-ball big like an Al Horford or even a Robert Williams, somebody that you can at least put on Jokic. And if it was one-on-one, Jokic would cook. But if you can just slow him down so that weak side can come across, that's what makes Denver, you know, that's what gives Denver problems. So if I look this year, I think Boston once again has some of those recipes. Kristaps Porzingis has the ability to kind of stretch Jokic out on pick and pops and make things difficult. And defensively, they have the two bigs. So maybe you could say them. But that was one of the things I was surprised about when I looked out West is outside of Minnesota, I don't think a lot of teams ran that direction this year. It's almost like they're not overcorrecting for Denver because I would have expected more teams to pick up second and third playable bigs. Yeah, I think the problem, though, is that when you go that route, now you can't keep up with them anyway on the offensive end because you now you can't bring right. Jokic into space. Now he's got a Jared Vanderbilt to hide out on uh, or or someone uh, of that ilk. Uh, or And you, you always can kind of keep someone uh, around the basket and, and play whatever pick and roll coverage you want to play as well and always have help available yeah i, I mean I, I think you know it's very interesting to think about i mean the other thing they didn't face you didn't face anyone who was playing five out uh, last year either unless you want to count you know when gobert is out of the game with towns in the minnesota series and they just weren't a, a good enough team to keep up with that um but yeah i mean and obviously having murray back is you too because there are maybe a handful of guys that can make Jokic's life a little bit difficult one-on-one in the post but okay fine and then we'll just run pick and roll and you know when the lakers tried to play anthony davis on Jokic well I mean Anthony Davis is unbelievable but you know it's still he still has to help out in Jamal Murray and then Jokic can get loose or or stuff will open up uh, on the backside. at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every basket every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line whatever the sport whatever the moment it's never ordinary at Bet 365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1 800 Gambler. Terms and conditions apply. Like what Nikola Jokic did offensively was unbelievable in the playoffs. It also just didn't surprise me in the slightest. I, mean, I was going to say it's very believable. Yeah. I, I mean, unbelievable historically, <laughs> very believable in terms right. of, you know, particularly with these pieces around him. Right. And even five out, you know, Five out is going to be so high variance compared to Denver. If you're going to go five out, you're just going to be compromised on Jokic and probably on Aaron Gordon. I mean, it's underrated that Aaron Gordon is just so strong. He's like Julius Randle in that it takes a true big to guard him. You can't just stick a stretch four on him or else he'll just eat on the boards and eat on those drop-off passes because he's just so strong there. So five out is high variance where this is sort of what Phoenix did. I mean, I know it was they still had Aiton from a lot of that and even Jock Landale for a part who was good on the offensive boards. But they tried to just say, okay, we're going to spread them out. And when they were on fire, historically on fire, they kept even with with Denver. But the moment you stop scoring, the moment the, the shots stop falling, 
five out can't guard Jokic. I mean, he's a five out breaker because there's no six foot eight guy or six foot nine stretch five that can guard him the way that most bigs can at least be slowed down. So that to me, the five out part of this, I'm just not so sure Denver hasn't figured that out. I do think it probably takes more just size inside. And that's why I look around. And when you mentioned players, you know, out West, this is what's funny. It's a weird name to throw out, and no team has picked him up for a reason for a couple of years. But to me, I look at it and I go, if you had a DeMarcus Cousins, as much as he's a volatile player, at least he's the type of guy who has a big body and can foul Jokic and, and has to be guarded on the other side, as opposed to just a defensive first type guy. So I look around and play at teams like that. Maybe you could say Utah by adding Collins and they've got Kessler. Maybe there's a, a recipe there that's going to slow Denver down a little bit or, or cause problems. But to me, like Christian Wood, that, that those guys make no impact on Jokic. That's not going to work out. And no other team added the second big around their current big to 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 create this sort of um, dynamic for Denver. So I, I think that there are that, that two things could be true. I mean, number one, Denver was by far the best team last year and nobody was even close to them. But I think you can also say that they didn't beat anyone that I thought was really a great team like Phoenix. <laughs> Had a lot of talent, but they, I mean, they were just very thin. Chris Paul went down in game two and maybe they win game two if he doesn't get hurt. And, and that series is a little more difficult. I still think Denver would, would have taken it. And that LA team, you know, LeBron is and AD were both pretty injured and LeBron is just not the same guy. They just didn't have the offense to keep up with them. And then Miami, I think, you know, again, Denver had a big part of this, but Miami just played like shit. It, like those guys just, they didn't hit shots. Jimmy Butler, like couldn't make a layup. Uh, so like th- that Miami team did not play play as well as they played in the Milwaukee series. I mean, I, I don't think it's fair to say like, oh yeah, like the, uh, Milwaukee couldn't stop these guys, but Denver's defense is so much better than Milwaukee. I think Miami just- Why, why not? Uh, why, why not? I, here's the here's the thing. Here, here's where I push back on that, Nate. I've always said this and I maintain it. And again, you have to watch Jokic every game to see these types of things. He struggles in spread pick and roll. He's really good in other types of defense, and he's especially good if you're not a big three-point threat. So in the finals, Miami had a little bit of success trying to get, you know, the Struess and the Vincents running off screens and dragging Jokic out. But players like Butler, Jokic is really good at guarding pick and roll against a Butler-type player because he's not afraid of being overextended. And so for me, I don't think it was just, oh, bad shooting luck for a Jimmy Butler to struggle. I thought Jokic did a great job of forcing him into the type of shots that you can live with and keeping him out of the areas that are maybe more vulnerable. This is why I say, and this is the Jokic experience has been so fun, Nate, because I make these proclamations and I just feel like every two years they come, they come true. Jokic is an elite defender at about 90% of defense. He's horrible at about 10% of it. He's like in that 10%, when a team exposes it, it looks bad, but the Jimmy Butler stopping Jimmy Butler, that's the part of defense where he's not just good. He's great at it. And I think that's why the Miami matchup was good. It was obviously a good matchup for Denver, but I think it's also not just a bad shooting from Jimmy Butler. I think that that was a Denver was equipped to handle them and to shut off the things they're good at. Yeah, I, I'm not saying it was only that I would say that, uh, you know, this was not a, a team that's ever really been like a great rim protecting team. Team, and you had Miami, you know, shooting like 40% at the rim in a bunch of these games. Uh, so like the, those are some of the things where I'm like, 
okay, like this isn't something that like Denver has a history of doing to make things difficult for guys in this way. And like, and Jokic was good. Like he caused problems for them as a rim protector because they would come in and he would either slap the ball away or like kind of bother them on the way up. But I mean, also like teams shoot 70% against Jokic at the rim or whatever it is over the course of his career. So like, I think, I think it's fair to say that Miami could have played better in that series when, but that said, like they weren't. I think there's a very good chance. I think there's a very good chance we have the same conversation next year. No, it won't because if they dominate again, I'll just shut the fuck up. Then again, I, what, another thing in the Jokic era, Denver has been a very good fourth quarter defense. And this yeah. is a big part of my thing. Defense without athleticism takes an enormous amount of effort. And that's where the numbers over the course of the regular season, you know, Den- you're not putting in playoff effort for that. But Denver in close games in the fourth quarter, they've always looked like a great defensive team. And in, in the regular season, because I think they play about five minutes of tough defense a game. And so that's why I thought when the playoffs come, I just feel like they have it in them to ramp that number up a little bit. And in my opinion, that's what we saw throughout the playoffs. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, uh, I think it, it very well would have been the case that they, you know, if they had, had they faced another great team that they would have beaten that great team. But I think it's also fair to say that they didn't face. Like, I mean, I think there are a lot of parallels with them to me and the 2015 Warriors. And a lot of people, you know, didn't give that team as much credit. Now they won 67 yeah. games in the regular season and one of the best point differentials of all time. But Denver right. has one of those point differentials when Nikola Jokic does play. But, you know, the, right. like right. they had a pretty easy path. Like they won the championship. That's taking nothing away. But also, as you look forward, it's like, all right, is there a team that they're going to go up against uh, that could be better? Maybe that team just doesn't even exist anymore. Maybe we're just in an era where there are no great teams or no great teams other than the Nuggets. Um, how concerned are you about the departures? That's probably the, the biggest thing that, that we got to do. So I think Bruce Brown, he was obviously a phenomenal fit. Less as like a, as a six man, as a bench guy. There's t- multiple types of six man. He was an elite six starter. Meaning you could plug him in for KCP and you don't really lose anything. It changes the dynamic a little bit, but kind of equally as good. You could replace him for Michael Porter and that gives you a good dynamic. You could even replace Jamal Murray with him in configurations and that's a good dynamic. So that's where he was really valuable. And I don't know if Denver's going to have a player like that where you can just plug him into a bunch of different roles and he's going to be equally as good. But I do think that his overall like skill level maybe got inflated a little bit Um you know, for people that were tuned into the playoffs or this or that, I, I, I just wonder if he's going to be as impactful in Indiana. I probably would bet against it. Oh, yeah. Me too. I, and then I think they're going to and then I think that they're what they're really going to miss from him. And this is going to sound weird because it's a non X's and O's type thing. I think they're just going to miss his bravado because Denver is a very quiet team. They have a lot of quiet, like understated guys. Murray has that sort of swagger and that confidence and he's a little boisterous. But outside of that, it's a quiet team. And I think Bruce raised it up to a level of you need a couple guys in a playoffs that are in control, but that have sort of that FU mentality. And I think Bruce was a rare example of the Jokic era of a of a key rotation piece that had that. And I don't and I think they're going to miss that part of it. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, now having won a championship, they're probably going to come back with uh, some more confidence. Uh, and, you know, I think if the if they do have some of that, like 2015, 16 Warriors where teams are like not giving the respect, I don't think it's going to be that way. I think a lot to pick them. A lot of people are going to pick them to win the championship and I might be among them. I think the two things they're going to miss the most for him is his ability to play backup point guard in the playoffs 
Yeah. And uh, and obviously, you know, the, the defense is important as well. They have other guys there. But also uh, the way he pushed the ball in transition, I thought was just massive. Yep. The way he was getting them maybe three or four buckets a, a game. And so it, now I I think it's possible that some of these new guys who we'll talk about in a second uh, could replace some some of the production. And, you know, there's also the backup front element as well. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think that was because that was another thing that was just such a massive concern for me about Denver is like what happens when Jokic is off the floor and they just didn't play a right. center and they pl- didn't play a backup point guard and both of those positions were terrible for them all year. And so they just excised them. Right. And it was great coaching to do that right. and, and not fuck around and, and have uh, such good guys, uh, you know, that incredible eight man rotation uh, as well, which and also uh, really good health from that group but uh who right. do you see ste- how do you evaluate some of these cans to step into uh, the um, missing roles now so i think christian brown will take on that sort of elevated role where he does fill in and play a starter caliber minutes just at different spots kind of bounces around the way bruce brown did last year i think the transition part you mentioned is the part I don't know if Denver's going to miss it. A lot of the young guys they're bringing in, Peyton Watson is a very good transition player. Christian Brown gets out and transition a lot, disrupts a lot of plays and then gets out in transition. He's a very good rebounder and can push the ball in transition. So I think the transition part will be okay. It is the point guarding part to me that I look at. Reggie Jackson is probably slated to play a lot of minutes and you know, that he's such a different dynamic. He's, he's not really a point guard. He's a scoring guard. And I think that they are going to miss that from Bruce, the ability to kind of slide over and keep things, you know, even killed. I think a lot of the second unit is going to be feast or famine based on how well Reggie Jackson is playing. So I, so that part of it, I think is really going to impact Denver, even if I think the transition part won't. Yeah. Uh, Brown, you think he's going to be able to shoot all this year or, and a and B will it matter if he can't? Um, I think he'll shoot better. I think he's, his shot looks decent to me and he was a little streaky, you know, I think his second year confidence will be good for him. So I think his offense, that Denver's second unit half court offense, I think is going to be atrocious. It was last year, by the way. So this isn't necessarily a new thing. But Christian Brown to me is going to be a solid guy. If he's filling in for a KCP at two, I think he's got, I think teams are still going to have to run off of uh, at him and, and he'll knock down his open shots. And then he's a great athlete. Last year, he didn't finish at the rim very well throughout the course of the season, but got better as the year went on. And I expect that to be an air, a strength for him. So I think he's going to have an uh, I think he's going to be a, a good offensive player, but I'm just so high on his defense. I actually think he's one of those guys that when you look at some of the advanced defensive metrics, I know those are a little wonky, but you look at some of the impact he had with Denver defensively, he's on a trajectory to be a great perimeter defender, not just like a good guy who you could plug in, but but maybe one of the better perimeter defenders. Six seven, he's got really good size and strength. He can guard up a position just with his size and strength. I think he's a guy that offensively is going to be average and okay. And then defensively, I think he's going to be a monster. Yeah, that'd be interesting to see. That's uh, my question of like, can he guard, you know, like like a LeBron or or a KD? You know, I, I thought of it was kind of more. That's too big. Yeah, yeah a little more guard sized. Uh, but of course, they have yeah. Aaron Gordon uh, to, to do that. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. 
Right. I mean, Braun is obviously of the young guys is kind of number one. The other guys that they're, I think, are, are all these guys are going to get a chance. I think the way they're built, Peyton Watson, Zeke Nashi, Jen Pickett, Julian Strother, Hunter Tyson. Put those yeah. guys in order for me of how much you expect them to contribute. Well, I think Peyton Watson is the next guy there. Calvin Booth is extremely high on him. He's sort of Calvin Booth's pick. That's like Calvin Booth's project. He's got incredible length and he does have these. He's one of those players who makes a lot of really spectacular defensive plays, you know, blocks that you don't expect. He blocks a lot of shots. He steals a lot of inbound passes. He just has this um, pogo stick length where he seems to like sneak up on players and um, he sort of has the stamp of approval of a lot of stars. Paul George famously over the summer picked him as like the next guy. Everybody keep an eye on Peyton Watson. Kevin Durant is a good friend of his and, and, and raves about his upside. So I think he's going to be a guy that sink or swim is going to play a lot of minutes this year, just because Denver is so invested and believes so heavily in him and his talent. Um, but I think that he's going to be sort of a true rookie or play like a rookie where makes spectacular plays, but makes mistakes all over the court and then has an offense, a very uneven offensive game. But I think he's clearly the guy there that Denver is counting on to be sort of this, you know, the next best guy behind Chris, Christian Brown. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. And Reggie Jackson, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I thought his he had some amazing flashes. I mean, that first half against the Bucs, I think he had three steals and three blocks in, in one half, and then he didn't do yeah. as, as much after that. But you saw the right. potential there, and you know, he's another guy who's got some ball skills, can get downhill at the rim. You know, the shooting, another another little bit of a question mark uh, there. Big, big question mark. Um, yeah, his offensive game is pretty uneven. I mean, he doesn't shoot the ball well, and it doesn't look like, you know, with Christian Brown, I look at it and I say, okay, he's got good form, good balance. I don't know if he's going to be a great shooter. I don't know if he has that touch, but he looks like he's going to be solid. Peyton Watson's one of those guys where sometimes his shot looks absolutely pure. Sometimes his shot looks like a guy who's just not a natural shooter. I think he has a long way to go there. Same goes for his handle. In the open court, he looks great. His handle looks great. His strides are long. He's, I think, going to be an elite transition player. Him and Christian Brown, their identity needs to be to disrupt and get out and transition. But in the half court, like his handle is a little loose. I don't know if he's a guy you can run pick and roll with. Probably not a guy you want to give a ton of ISOs to. So his offensive game is very uneven. And his defensive game, again, he's just going to be very mistake prone, I think, early on. But his defensive tools are pretty through the roof just in terms of his instincts and and his ability to sort of make quick reads defensively where he scrambles and gets steals and passing lanes and blocks on those. He, he'll be one of those guys. I think he has a chance to be at his absolute peak, like a one and a half steals, one and a half blocks kind of guy. I don't, I don't know what kind of impact that makes overall, but he has that profile of a very rare type of guy that gets both of those in sort of equal order. All right. Who's next on the list? Zeke Naji is going to be another guy that's sort of penciled in for heavy, heavy minutes. Um, and he's an interesting one. I think he's another guy who has such an uneven skill set because I think he's an elite guard or defender one through four. He's one of them. He's really good at switching out on the guards and moving his feet. He just is so mobile defensively. But I think he's actually weirdly at 6'10", 6'11", he's bad at guarding inside. Yeah. He doesn't have a lot. He's not a quick jumper. He's not a high jumper. So you get you know, taller type players where he has to guard his actual position or play center. And I think that's where he's a little bit vulnerable. But for him, his swing skill is shooting. He was a 40 plus percent three point shooter early in his career, changed his shot a little bit and has not looked very confident or very good last season. 
And so for me, if he can shoot the three, I think he's going to be a great bench player. If he can't, I think Denver's bench unit is going to going to look pretty ugly. Well, and then they're staying healthy as well. It seems like every time he'll get a couple yeah. a couple of weeks of momentum, you know, he'll miss a month with the you know some relatively nagging nebulous injury. It's never been anything that's you know seems that serious, but then you know he'll be out for yeah. for a month. Um, okay, so the three yeah. rookies then: Pickett, Strother, Tyson. So Hunter Tyson had a phenomenal summer league. Um, he looks like one of those players again, Denver drafted old, all of those guys are on the older end. I mean, Pickett, I think might've been, was one of the oldest players in the entire draft. Hunter Tyson was a five-year college player. So Denver went really old and Hunter Tyson is polished. He knows how to move up ball. Very good shooter. He knows how to cut. He knows what his lane is defensively. He, he's not, he's going to be a low mistake defensive player in terms of reads, He's, I don't know if he has a ton of upside defensively. I'll like Michael Porter. He has a lot of length. So I think that part helps him. But to me, he's one of those guys that impressed so much in summer league because that extra spacing seemed to really help him. And he just knows how to fill the seams and how to win and where to cut, when and where to slide the feet on the perimeter to get open. And then obviously capable of knocking it down. So he's a guy that I wouldn't be surprised if he got an opportunity. But the guy that I'm most excited about and who I just love his game is, is Jalen Pickett. He's a guy who yeah, you, you would like you would Ty- like him. I, that that doesn't surprise <laughs> me in the slightest. Actually, people that know me know my type, and I love high IQ, great passers, and really all around players. The, I mean, the concern with him is he's small. He's probably six two. I think they list him at six four, but he looks to me like he's about six two and super high IQ. He plays a style of basketball they call booty ball, <laughs> which is this very slowed down Andre Miller esque, like just walks to his spots because he's so strong. He's very burly. He gets to his spots and then he just slowly collapses the defense and makes the right read. And I think he makes, he's not quite a Jokic level. I mean, nobody is a Jokic level makes the right read every time, but he's probably that next tier down in terms of, he just seems to understand the geometry of the court and slowly gets to his spots, slowly finds the open man. And I just love his game. His only question mark is his height at six. If he was six, five, I think he would be you know, a lottery pick type player that I, that everybody loves, but I love his game. I love his high IQ and my hope. And I know it's the team's hope Denver's first unit plays a very smart ball movement style of offense around Jokic and the bench unit in the Jokic era has never really had a player that, it, that keeps that style. I think their hope is there's a different position. It's the point guard spot, but that a lot of the principles of playing with Jokic with spacing and cutting apply to p- playing with Jalen Pickett. And if he works out, it's going to be because Denver's able to kind of play a very similar brand of basketball when he's on the court. So he's a guy that I'm looking at. He's feast or famine, but I love his game. And I think he has a really good chance of breaking into this rotation. So is that at the expense of Reggie Jackson? That would be that's that would be the scenario where that works out is that he is he replaces Reggie Jackson. Now, that could happen two ways. Reggie Jackson hasn't really been good for the last year and a half or so. So it's a chance that it's just Reggie Jackson doesn't have it anymore. He's at that age where it's entirely plausible. But number two, Jalen Pickett is also a very smart player. His team defense, I mean, again, he's 24 years old, so he's he's a little bit older than most rookies. But his team defense is so above rookie level. He's a very low mistake defensive player. Offensively, he reads the court well. So it just might be one of those things where – how do you get minutes on a contender when you're a rookie? Just don't make mistakes. 
That's the first step. And I think he's a guy that's not going to go out there and blow a rotation or miss a read. Yeah. You know, I, and we haven't talked about Strother yet. I, I, and for people who want to know more about my thoughts on some of these guys, you know, go back and listen to our, our summer league wrap up. Dan and I went into to great detail on all of them. Strother to me, I think like he shoots it well enough. He's got some ability off the bounce. He's like, he played in that Gonzaga system. Like I think he can find some right. pieces as a play finisher, potentially he's got okay size and athleticism. You know, we'll see how well that holds up, but as a guy who can just be adequate defensively, not get attacked on the wing and make shots, you know, he kind of has the easiest fit maybe of any of these guys, except, you know, Peyton Watson, who probably slots in as, as your backup power forward. So I, I, I like Strother. It sounds like maybe you're not as into him, or maybe he's just not as sexy for you because, he, he just sort of has that like yeah. like a more boring skill set. No, I mean, I think I'm just a little bit lower on him because of his inability to sort of get to the rim. I mean, he's got this great floater um, that he goes to a lot, but it comes at the expense of actually going to the basket and finishing. Yeah. So that's that's where I, I'm a little bit slower on him. And then athletically, I'm Hunter Tyson, the Nuggets have built as a small forward. So you, they look at it and say he actually is big for a small forward. He's a 6'9". He's got all this great length or 6'8". And then Strother, they bill as a shooting guard. So, and you know, he's six, seven. So that's great size for the shooting guard spot. But I'm just a little bit more skeptical of is he athletic enough to guard shooting guards right out of the package? Does he shoot the ball well enough to make up for it? And then if they're not getting to the rim, is he one of those guys you just teams easily identify as run him off the line and he's not going to punish you? Yeah. And Tyson, too, I think at the three, I, I would have some some defensive questions there as well. So yeah. what do you predict the playoff rotation is? Michael Malone, eight men, maybe nine. Uh, what is the playoff rotation? Oh, well, well eight, eight men. It was eight men this year, and I, I think it's just going to be eight next year. Obviously, it's your starters. Christian Brown is a lock. I think Peyton Watson is close to a lock. I mean, he has to really show some growth this year. He has to make it through the season. First of all, he's never gone through an 82 game season and he actually hasn't played a lot of games over the last two years since he didn't play a ton of minutes at UCLA. So he has to make it through an 82 game season, but I think he is the next closest lock to being part of the playoff rotation. And then after that, it gets interesting. Zeke Naji, probably you need a front court player. So it's probably going to be Zeke Naji. Um, then you get to the the Jalen Pickett, Reggie Jackson. I think it's one of those two guys. Reggie has the inside track on that, but I kind of lead more towards Pickett being the better option long term, especially if he gets an opportunity to grow throughout the season. So I think you have seven guys that seem like locks with Peyton Watson and Christian Brown. Zeke Naji is probably the next one up, but I'm hoping for Pickett to kind of break into that that rotation. Yeah, it seems like uh, using the mid-level on Reggie Jackson, you know, a lot of people question that. I think there uh, might have been uh, uh, perhaps uh, some prior considerations uh, that led to, uh, <laughs> to that occurring um, uh, from the, the best that I can. Calvin Booth is not Daryl Morey. <laughs> <laughs> uh and and, and but th- like this is they don't have much left to go get somebody at this point they can right. trade a first round they've got swaps you know maybe they, they could go that route but you know when their swaps are among the least valuable in the league when you have Nikola Jokic who's a great player and isn't going anywhere and never gets hurt uh but I do feel better about this group after summer league than I did before like I think they at least have outs you know, we haven't mentioned the name Justin yeah. Holiday yet, but like he was the Mavs desperately needed his ostensible skill set last year, as did the Hawks. 
blocks and he failed with both of them. So, you know, he, he's right. kind of, I'm not counting on him necessarily. I mean, maybe the, the ball going for him this year with some better looks off of Jokic, right. but you know, he's probably getting those from Luka Doncic to Trey Young too. Um, so right. I, I think they have, they have some outs. They have some guys who, you know, they need two of these five guys we're talking about to be kind right. of playoff ready. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, it's going to be interesting. And how big of a deal is it if, you know, it's kind of the five starters and then, eh, you know, some question marks or, or maybe Braun. Is I mean, I think that. Guy. I just think that's what it was this year. I think, yeah, they had six guys because Bruce was pretty reliable. But outside of that, I mean, there were games in the playoffs, even in the finals where Christian Brown played two minutes and then got yanked, right? So this happened last year. Jeff Green was among the worst on-off plus-minus players in the entire NBA last year. He had an, In the regular season, he was completely ineffective. His size, you know, Denver... I think we'll miss like in a LeBron matchup. Jeff Green could go out there and just physically be big enough, even though he's not stopping LeBron. At least he's physically big enough to make them have to play he, honestly. He looks like so I think he just doesn't get attacked. He looks like a guy, and he also is a guy that they're not going to leave, even if perhaps in both those ways he's kind of overrated. But right. like, sometimes in the playoffs, perception is reality. Yep. And that's totally Jeff Green, I think. But in the regular season, you know, he was pretty ineffective. That bench unit was horrible. Oh, yeah. I think it's one of the reasons that if you just look at the regular season, Denver's bench was, I don't think it's going to get worse. But as the playoffs go on, I think Denver has six guys that I feel confident going into the playoffs. They need to get one of Zeke Najee or Peyton Watson up to that level. And if they get both of them, I think they're absolutely fine. If they get one of them, I still think that they're going to be good enough that their starters are going to carry them and and probably just play a little bit more minutes in the playoffs. But I think that works for them. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Well, and then the other thing, too, is that they just, they, and of course, uh, Fortune did not smile on them in 21 and 22, but they didn't have any injuries last year. And so if you have even like a KCP, you know, the odds are that probably one of your five starters in the playoffs is going to get injured at some point. They didn't have to deal with that last year. And so then... You, how many how many teams win, though, the, the, the finals without losing a starter or with losing a starter? It's, well, or even missing like a couple of games. You know, I, I think that's even... Sure. But no, I, I mean, I think, but I think right. that I think even that's uncommon. That's, it, it, the, the, the health part, I think, is just a given, but I think it's a given for all teams. Yeah, I would have to go back to, and, th- and think about that. Um, I mean, I think, but just like over the course of the year, or maybe I would say a lot of teams, we kind of maybe forget about it because it's like, oh, you're the injury happening during the playoffs. But a lot of times teams will just go into the playoffs right. with a guy out and you sort of just forget that, that the guy was out. They just right. had a new top seven or eight. Uh, and so that's where I think you know it could get difficult for them if you know any of those guys especially particularly because it's like that group fits together so well i would say that you know as we talk about strengths and weaknesses and move towards predictions particularly that what i think is the total lack of shooting off the bench now maybe reggie jackson can do that maybe zeke naji is able to do more but you know he's he's also gonna play eight minutes a game in the playoffs probably unless Jokic gets in foul trouble so you know who uh, and certainly like a 
established. And like even Braun and Watson, your top two guys, you know, haven't really shown that ability. So I do worry a little bit. Uh, and I think, he, you know, Bruce Brown wasn't a great shooter, but he made his open shots. You know, I, I would put, consider him a better shooter than Christian or Watson. Uh, so like right. that's a little bit of a concern to me of like, can they maintain that dominating offense or can they maintain that group of Aaron Gordon and then who as the, with Jokic off the floor like that's I mean I think that starting unit up is, is the best one in basketball like that's gonna be unbelievable right. when you start mixing the bench guys in with that group maybe it gets a a little more difficult because you already have a non-shooter ish in Gordon uh, although he's gotten a little better well he also just has he he has that baseline gravity you know yeah. just where he occupies even though he's not spacing from three he's spacing from the baseline because you ha- can't really leave him open but i think well, certainly not when he, Jokic he, he, is on the floor right i mean that's that's the big right, I mean, right. that's the other thing that struck me of just like if there is any kind of a mismatch like Jokic finds it immediately and he's got the ball closer to the basket to make that pass than right. you know your traditional point guard or whatever so those quick dunk right. ins like that's you know he could he is probably the guy who can deal with a lack of spacing better than just about anybody out there except you know maybe like yeah. a Steph Curry well and and this is why I think again going back to the starters Michael Porter and Aaron Gordon are just such a perfect front court you know foul, uh, forward combo because few teams have somebody tall enough to guard Porter and big enough to guard Aaron Gordon that don't compromise them in some way the other way so they're just both of them have these physical attributes that are so difficult to match up with. And if you switch the guy that you're supposed to guard Porter with onto Aaron Gordon, he's usually too strong and too big. And if you put the big guy onto Michael Porter, well, now he's out in the perimeter where he's uncomfortable. So Denver, it's one of the sneaky things that makes Denver so good. But when you mentioned the bench unit, Denver has played their starters together more than any other team. Michael Malone over the years, Michael Malone loves these sort of hockey rotations. It's not quite a hockey rotation. He'll blend the lineups for a minute or two, but he'll usually get to a five starters and a five bench or a four bench plus one starter combo throughout the game more so than any other team. I think this year they can't do that for the reasons you just laid out. I don't like their bench unit when you only give them one starter. There's not going to be enough shooting, but I love it when you do stagger any combination of those guys with two starters on the bench. So think for a second, if you have Murray, Jokic, and Gordon on the court, and you bring out KCP and MPJ, and you replace them with Peyton Watson and Christian Brown, well, I like that lineup. That gives you Murray, Jokic, with three of Denver's three best defenders, probably, on the court together. I like that combo. And then you go to a bench unit, and you think, okay, you don't love Reggie Jackson, but if you give him KCP and Michael Porter Jr., as as the staggered bench unit. Well, that's two of the best shooters on the team. And so now you have a lot more spacing and Zeke Naji can shoot. So you have him out there as well. So I just think that Denver has to change their one of their core rotational identities, which is this big hockey five, you know, bench and starter separate. I just think they're going to have to find a new way of doing their rotation. And it, I do think they have the personnel to make that work. I mean, well, we do have so much more to talk about. We said, oh, maybe there's not that much to talk about because they won the championship. And so these guys are established <laughs> commodities. But, you know, I mean, obviously we could wax poetic about Jamal Murray's unbelievable playoffs and how he's probably going to have a better regular season this year. And, you know, Jokic, uh, I mean, maybe he'll play a little bit less now because they have one in the bag. But, you know, I mean, he still is the best regular season player in, in basketball, I think, pretty obviously uh, at this point and, you know, best playoff as well. But I think his advantage is even bigger in the regular season with the fact that he doesn't really get injured uh, and teams just just don't can't deal with that unique style of play. So uh, yeah. I, I might let me say, let me say this though. Hey, what about his advantage of this is a trade of the Jokic era? He figures players out and he figures teams out. 
And I think that there might, there's Denver has two, three, one comebacks under their belt. They have a bunch of seven before that they had two, seven game series that they, that they went to, including a comeback one against San Antonio in their first playoffs. I, I think Jokic in a playoffs, one of the underrated things is every team has to make adjustments game by game, but at a certain point, Jokic has seen every adjustment and knows how to beat it. So I actually think in a playoffs, it is one of the things that is sneaky great about him is he, he seems to figure out the question faster than anybody else. Yeah, I will. I mean, in like the Golden State series two years ago, I, I thought that was kind of the case. He struggled early on and and then, uh, I mean, relative to his normal standards and then played, right. played a lot better. And yeah, I mean, I like that game four against the Lakers when, you know, they would show him something one time it would work. And then the next time, you know, our, he realized that like someone is coming up from the baseline to take him on the roll and he just finds a guy for a dunk immediately or finds a corner three at least. I, 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 I agree with you. He, he's a very good player in any circumstance. Good. <laughs> well, I can I ask you yeah, this one because yeah. I want to ask you this question about Murray because to me he's the most fascinating, one of the most fascinating players in the NBA. Where do you sort of like just where do how do you value him? How good do you think Jamal Murray is, and what do you expect from him this this regular season? Yeah, well, certainly I think like anyone, Nikola Jokic makes him look <clears throat> a lot better, and he doesn't really have to worry about being a traditional point guard that much. Uh, right, and you know Jokic kind of takes care of it, and you know Murray can make the reads; he's not terrible. But you know if he's just running pick and roll with you know some dive center or something as a point guard, you know that that maybe is doesn't look that great. Now he also has good size; he can also play off the ball uh, as well, which a lot of point guards can't. So yeah, I, I think it's going to be really interesting. And I you know I don't know how much he's going to play. You know this idea of like ah, you know he wasn't quite ready physically for to play with with Canada. You know who knows how real that was, but uh, you know so I, I think there are some concerns maybe. About durability in the regular season but i mean certainly in the playoffs like he's always produced and he's been this tough shot maker and with a few exceptions like he's been just an impossible thing for teams to deal with when you also have like this great isolation guy great pull-up shooter in addition to Jokic. so this could be a fascinating year for him because i mean the way he played in the playoffs last year you have to say yeah you know he's a better guy than deer and fox or donovan mitchell who had a terrible playoffs or something like he should be above those guys uh but i do think right. that like over the course of a regular season you know traditionally they haven't been that great when he's played without Jokic. you know that's a little bit of an indicator too so I, yeah i think he's he's gonna be a fascinating player and you know the possible whether he takes the extension or not or tries to go for all nba like that'll be another fascinating dynamic uh, of this season as well right um i know you're out of time so uh you know maybe we, we we can continue this at some future point but we do have to actually make predictions before we get out of here uh i think you've made okay. a compelling point that their bench can't be worse than it was last year uh you know they're gonna have over a 10 net rating when Jokic plays I think I have them kind of right around where they were a year ago. I would go for uh, 54 wins for these guys. And maybe it would be higher if they were pushed, but I'm not sure who in the West is going to do that. I think that part is so such a big part of it. I mean, they were probably a 56-win team last year, 57-win team if they didn't just completely quit the last month because they didn't have anybody chasing them. So I think there's that, that part of it. I do think teams will chase them a little bit better this year. I think Phoenix is going to be great in the regular season. I'll, I'll go... Man, it's it's kind of early to be making predictions. So this is like middle of the summer. You know, camp hasn't even got here. I think at this very moment, I'll go ahead and say 56 wins. I just I, and the reason why I don't know that they're going to have this like, you know, oh, we just won a title. Now we're going on our 60 win season, 65 win, whatever it is, even though I think they're talented enough to do that. I don't think they're going to have that level of motivation. But I do think that this is a big Jamal Murray year. I'm buying Jamal Murray stock in the regular season. 
I think that his career has also unfolded in this way that's sort of disguised how prepared he is for the leap uh, and how capable he is of making it. So I think that this is a big Jamal Murray regular season that lifts them from, you know, that 54, what they were last year to 56 this year. Um, small number, but, but a meaningful one. And I just think he has a great year. Yeah. And you've noted that he, sometimes he doesn't, he kind of plays his way into shape throughout the season. We'll see whether, I don't think uh, he does that this year. Yeah. I think that's, uh, that's going to be pretty interesting, but, uh, over under for the first Michael Malone, we won the championship last year. We're way (laughs) too entitled. We got to defend. Uh, rant. Oh yeah. Uh, is that does does he make? Do we get to November before we hear that one? Or uh, oh no, that's gonna be a that's gonna be first day of training camp. I think. Um, you know, I don't think we have to wait very long for that one. I think Malone. Everybody got to really know Michael Malone uh, this last year with with some of his yeah. more. Um, I, I love the coach it, talking shit. Like that's a, it's amazing. That's fantastic. of course. I, I love like there's why shouldn't why is the coach not allowed to do that? Well, also as I mentioned with Bruce Brown how he sort of brings that edge and the, and that boisterousness that Denver didn't have. I think Michael Malone also knows his team needs it from him. Like it's rare that the coach needs to be that guy, but then Jokic doesn't say anything, you know, Murray's even a little bit quite like they're not allowed team. So I think Malone kind of senses, I have to be the confidence. And I honestly think a lot of what he did this playoffs with some of his more bold podium takes, I think was a little bit of giving his team confidence of, Hey guys, no, we are the top dogs here. We are this, and we're going to present confidence and, and the team kind of followed behind him. But I think he's going to speak out of both sides of his mouth this year because he's going to do the, we are acting like we are entitled to this while simultaneously somehow figuring out a way to be, nobody still believes in us. And so it's going to be great. I can't wait for it. And to be honest with you, Nate, even just talking to you, it, as much as you give the team credit in this or that, I do think most teams that would go 16 and four, most people would look at and say, oh, well, they're repeating and this is for sure. And there is a little bit of that hesitancy with this team of, well, maybe they got lucky and went this route. So I think Malone's going to have plenty of fuel to get his team motivated that nobody believes in them, but also they're entitled. I mean, I'm probably going to still pick them to win the championship, <laughs> I think. But not <laughs> emphatically <laughs> enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i mean I, I think it's just it's important to acknowledge that like hey this this is something that could be different this year that they will have to face another right. great team i mean they like they didn't face a team that won 50 games in the playoffs i mean like that well that, yeah. that is that's pretty rare like to, the, you got like i mean granted there are reasons to think those teams would be good but there are also reasons to believe those teams weren't that good they didn't win 50 games i mean look you, you <laughs> we'll we'll just look at this one a little bit differently, but it, and that's okay. I mean, honestly, this is the thing about uh, you know uh, about the Nuggets in particular is I've always wondered they are by their nature I think better as the underdog and better as the the team that is doubted. And Jokic has gotten to play that card all of his career in the Nuggets, and Michael Malone gets to play that card. So in some ways, I do think it suits them to to sort of have that. Yes, they won, but. I think it actually suits them better than if everybody was treating them like, you know, the 73 win warriors or whatever, where they just kind of assumed they were going to do it. So, 
Um, I think it fits Denver. Yeah, I mean, and they could just completely run roughshod over the whole league uh, in the maybe not necessarily in the regular season, but in the playoffs again. And then it's to be like, oh, these guys like are the next dynasty. Like the first the first time a team wins it like that, you know, you, it's right. it's hard to know whether all right, is, was this just always going to happen or or is this a one off? But right. I mean, it's hard to and you know they have the new rules are going to be tough for them too. Like they got to hit on some of these draft picks. You know, I think that's going to be a big part of their right. their future not this year. All right, I know you got to go. Uh, DNVR is a fantastic site the uh uh particularly uh, if you want to uh, see a bunch of happy guys uh giving <laughs> a collective middle finger to the national media uh the post-game youtube <laughs> shows uh, are fantastic locked on nuggets uh, with matt moore uh adam does as well which i i really enjoy and uh if you want to uh go get wasted uh watching a nuggets game or maybe even drink responsibly uh the dnvr bar, uh which i still we'll make it to someday we'll see whether i or zach low get, gets there first uh zach low was there that zach low was there this oh, year yeah, he actually he came cut, on the show the finals which i didn't yeah okay that's right uh, yeah. yeah okay well the then yeah. we know the answer to that already all right uh but <laughs> thanks again for joining us adam and uh always appreciate having you on thanks for having me on Thank you for listening to this free episode of Dunked on Prime. Once again, if you'd like to get all of our team previews and much, much more, you can subscribe to Dunked on Prime at dunkedon.supportingcast.fm. That's dunkedon.supportingcast.fm. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.